Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back. Another exciting episode today. Zooming in all the way from, is it Ottawa, Jedi? Is that where you're based out of? I'm in Gatineau right now, but born and raised Ottawa. Okay. For folks that aren't familiar with the Ottawa region, that's like right across the, right across the river. It's, but a completely different province. So yes, pretty much connected. Uh, Jediah is a young up and coming real estate entrepreneur focusing on multifamily properties. And he's been doing a great job so far in raising capital as he goes. So Thank you. I think we're going to have a really good conversation. Welcome to the show, Jediah. Thank you for having me. It's my first podcast, as mentioned earlier, and uh, nice. I'm excited to to get used to podcasting. I'm sure I'm going to be on other ones because uh, you know, with real estate comes networking, and with networking comes podcasting. So exactly, and I think podcast, you know, being interviewed on podcasts is one of the number one ways that people can easily and quickly just really boost up their credibility. Yeah, not just kind of in the eyes of the people that are listening to the, the podcast regularly, but using it as a way to leverage for your own existing connections. Cause I don't know about your situation, Jediah, but a lot of people find that they're kind of like the best kept secret. Like they're, right. they're actively investing in real estate, but their friends or family, their coworkers, people around them don't really know what the heck they're up to. So if you, if you leverage the podcast and kind of point people that way, it, it goes a long way to, your own connections taking you a lot more seriously as a real estate investor and being 100%. the the young fresh faced guy that you are you know i'm i'm sure you've had a few hiccups along the route with with having people take you seriously as a a serious real estate entrepreneur would that be fair to say yeah yeah uh, definitely the the first year where it's a lot of learning um of just how to act how to you know, when to bring up certain things, when not to bring up certain things, uh, when to divulge how old I am, when not to. Uh, it's definitely, I've gotten pushback, but luckily uh, with the communities I'm in, a lot of it, uh, I've gotten a lot of positivity from it because yeah. people are so encouraging and they like to see hustle, especially at people who are, you know, early 20s. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. I mean, being the the old fart that I am, you have to look at what are the pros of being an old fart. And one of the pros is people. It, it's a little easier to get taken seriously faster, perhaps, until you open your mouth. And if you say something really stupid, that goes, goes to hell very, very quickly. And on the other hand, when you're young and you're just getting started, you can really leverage that because if people do see that hustle, then they just kind of, they, they have a lot more inclination to want to kind of take you under their wing, so to speak, and, and kind of help you and encourage you along. So it's, it's all a matter of figuring out, okay, where am I at? What's going on? And how can I leverage what I've currently got exactly. and make the most of it? So Jediah, let's, let's talk a little bit about what got you into this whole wonderful world of real estate investing in the first place. What was that initial spark? Do you remember? I, with real estate, I mean, the initial spark was uh, a lot of people I'm sure have come onto this podcast and other podcasts and said they've always had a entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, so pretty suppose, much almost everybody that's yeah. <laughs> so I suppose I had that as well. I was possessed yeah. by that spirit. And I, I've done like throughout high school, I was doing things on the side. Um, like like what? Give us an idea of what you're up to. I, what I've what done, kind of hustles were you doing when you're in I high was school? doing, um, so I was part of like a modeling agency. I have a twin brother. So we were, we were doing some modeling. We were in a few magazines and we we're pursuing that route. Um, you know, I was looking into to simple things like drop shipping or, you know, social media management and stuff like that. Um, none of it really kept my, um, 
attention, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, then I, then I got when I was 19. So, you know, a very long time ago, a couple of years ago, I, uh, I got <laughs> a government job. Just, just for people's benefit. How old are you right now? Jeanette? I'm 23 right now. All right. So a whopping four years ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got a government job. Um, and I learned what the nine to five was and what it does to a person. And, I didn't enjoy it. I, you know, I would bust to, to work. Uh, I worked for the Canada Revenue Agency. I still oh work for God. the Canada <laughs> Revenue Agency. Yep. I yes, still do I, that. I can see that be a soul, being a soul crushing thing. So certain, yeah. just, I'm just curious, you know, age 19. Yep. I don't think you had your a, a university degree by that no. time or anything like that. What the heck were you doing? At, it, at the CRA. What, what I don't do this anymore, so don't worry. But I did <laughs> collections where I would call people and I would collect if you have any outstanding balances. So. Uh, fun job. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. No, You're it, the, the last person anybody wanted to hear from. 100%. And it yeah. was what you would expect in, in an office, right? Yeah. Um, and I didn't really in, enjoy it. I, you know, I was there for a couple months and then, uh, you know, uh, the pandemic hit and I had a lot of free time. And yeah. then with that free time, I was like, okay, how do I get out of the nine to five? Right. It's mm -hmm. in a couple months being with the CRA, I realized that this is not where I want to be forever. It's a yeah. very, I'm very blessed to get it at, at an early age and it's a very good stepping stone. Um, so it, it's a very good um, career path at, at that young age. So I'm very yeah. uh, thankful to be there, but so I, I started dabbling into, you know, everything, financial literacy, stocks. I built up a stock portfolio a bit. Uh, you know, young people are very interested in crypto. So I dabbled in that a bit. Um, and me and my brothers were, we're going to go buy a single family house was the first step because we thought, okay, everyone talks about real estate. Millionaires are made through real estate. Why not buy, buy a house? And the yeah. background, we never, you know, growing up, we didn't, you know, um, we weren't in a, a wealthy family or anything along those lines. So we would have been the first people in our family to own a house. Wow. So we said, let's, let's go do it. Uh, it fell through. Um, the reason it fell through was the way our contracts were written. They, they had an end date. Uh, so at first I didn't know what that meant, mm -hmm. but essentially we didn't qualify. Mm -hmm. Um, but for some reason I kept saying, no, I, you know what? I think real estate that has merit to it. Uh, Cause I kind of learned what leveraging debt was. Um, and then, I had a roommate at the time and he said, well, there's this, there's this old guy who keeps posting about real estate on Facebook that I follow. I said, sure. Uh, he said, why don't you just go, go message him? I said, well, you know, I don't message, you know, business people. That's very weird. It's, it's foreign for, for younger people. Um, but I did it luckily. And uh, it was Alfonso Quadra. I'm, I'm sure people are aware. I, I'm, I'm going to tell Alfonso that you called him that old guy. <laughs> tell him, tell him. That's fine. Um, but essentially uh, here on that newsletter right there that you can see on my camera, it's it's a newspaper where Alfonso came to my my elementary school. And essentially he did a presentation about, um, I suppose, entrepreneurship and just, you know, having the spirit in his story. Mm -hmm. um, and at that age, I was in grade eight. I didn't really remember it too much, but I do have the original newspaper. So I went back and I looked at it and I said, okay, I do remember this guy. Yes. Um, and we jumped on a Zoom call such as this. And I don't know if you've ever talked to Alfonso. Well, he, he sold I've, I've me. Been, he's interviewed me. I've interviewed him. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I know so so, so he's, he sold me the dream, right? So he sold me. He basically told me how the dreams I always had can come true through real estate. And then from there, I, I, I was networking through his group and, and people in his group and I was able to acquire some property. That's Very kind of the cool. gist. So of, what, what was the first property that you got into? 
It was a, a five unit with uh, Talia, which is Alfonso's daughter, and a few other partners in in the Wealth Genius community. It was a it was a five unit just outside of Ottawa. Very cool. What does the portfolio look like today, Jediah? I have uh, about ten doors here in the Ottawa and Gatineau area. So the five unit plus two other properties in Gatineau currently, and then nice. we're working on a few other things. So what are you focusing on moving ahead? What's what's the vision for Jediah Bertrand? The vision is to um, 10x or just to have a quantum leap and go for larger portfolios. Yeah. Uh, so currently we have a 56 unit portfolio under contract in New Brunswick. So it's an 18 unit and then a 38 unit motel conversion. Um, and then we're slowly but uh, surely working on a, a much larger portfolio in Quebec. It's it's a 200 plus uh, unit portfolio that's looking fairly promising. So really to me, it's after buying your first property, it's 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 just basic math. It's basic business on how to purchase these larger multis. And I rationalize, well, if I have to ask strangers for money, why not ask just people with higher net worth for money in regards mm-hmm. to raising capital and and do the same amount of work um, and have it pay off more. So I'm really looking for, I'm still willing to and, and able to grab low hanging fruit, but we're looking for larger portfolios uh, anywhere across Canada. And then eventually I want to go into the United States. So with the units that you currently have, I'm sorry, did you say they're all in, in Gatineau? Is that? Is uh, that... One's, in, one's in Ottawa or just outside of Ottawa and the rest are in Gatineau. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, you're involved with a number of other joint venture partners correct. on these deals. Is that correct? How do you kind of figure out who does what? Well, we usually set it up. So in regards to everything, the, in regards to everything. So the way, uh, you know, I was educated on doing it is you have your active partners and then you have your passive partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then amongst the active partners, you can split your roles. That's, um, that's I guess that's what I'm talking about amongst the active partners, how okay. did you, how have you guys decided who's doing what? Uh, we, well, with, with the active partners, we're pretty close in regards to friends. Like I'm pretty friendly with them. So it's, it's a lot easier to communicate. Um, but typically it's, I do, um, let's say for the, um, I have a triplex in Gatineau. That's a perfect example. So what this triplex is, we both, me and my active partner, we work as property managers. I'm in uh, direct contact with the tenants. He deals more with the finances, just money comes in and we pay the bills. Okay. Um, but we're, we, he's been my family friend for quite some time. So the communication is, is pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, but the way we're structuring it for these larger um, assets we're, we're looking to acquire, uh, we actually break down roles. Um, so we have spreadsheets on these are the roles. Uh, and this is the person who has, um, you know, first, uh, first contact for that role. And they're the person to manage it, but we're all a team. So if that person's lacking for X amount of reasons, we're all there to assist. But we do have, um, we're now working with spreadsheets and this is what, you know, this is what Jediah does. If it's not done, ask Jediah if he's not able so, to get so it So what do you think, what do you, what are you gravitating towards as far as your role with, with the bigger deals, Jediah? My personal role is I want to build a, a scalable business. And I think the best way to do that is to be able to outsource most of the day-to-day work. So Mm -hmm. essentially I really want to focus on uh, acquisition. So acquiring the deal, and then I want to focus on raising the capital. And then from there, either bring on a a project manager who kind of takes care of the day-to-day. And that way it's it's a quicker way for me to scale um, because I'm just finding the properties, I'm finding the capital, putting it together, and then someone helps run it. And then you can rinse and repeat that fairly fast. But if you're a property manager for, you know, 
30 plus units, um, it's, it's going to be time intensive. So yeah, I kind of want to, I'd rather be the one building and then outsourcing a lot of the work. So that's where I kind of see myself going. It's more um, the acquisition aspect of it. Acquisition and underwriting, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And raising cap. Okay. Very, very cool. And um, when it comes to acquisition, are you guys finding most of your deals on, you know, through realtors? Are you finding off-market deals, both? What What are you focusing on for finding the deals? It's a bit of uh, both. Um all the deals I've closed on, or sorry, two of the deals I've closed on have been uh, on market. One of them was off. We're looking to build our network. So a lot of our deals have come from realtors, but most of them tend to be off market um, just because it's not necessarily that they're better deals is that we have a little bit more time to pace ourselves and, mm-hmm. and have first dibs. Um, and even now we're getting a lot of deals sent our way, but since we're very, um, busy with, you know, a 56 unit portfolio and then a 200 plus unit portfolio we're looking to acquire. It's, it's taking time. So we're kind of slowing down on the acquisition part until we can close these bigger deals. Then we have more proof of concept. And then from there we can even outsource sourcing deals and and stuff like that, just building up an oiled machine. But most of them tend to be off market as of right now that we're getting sent. So one thing that I find really interesting about your situation and, and your background is that being in Gatineau, but also doing business in Ottawa and in Ontario, you're straddling two provinces with very, very different uh, real estate games, from what I understand. So, uh, but I could be mistaken. So, what what do you what are the the biggest differences you see in doing deals in Quebec versus elsewhere in Canada? I think a lot of people are very scared of Quebec. Well, they and, are for sure. Which, yeah. which is it's a good thing because if it's you look great at the for Gat- you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you look at the Gatineau market, ten minutes away into Ottawa, you're getting buildings half the price, right? Hmm. So uh, that's why I, I'm really interested in the Gatineau market. But the difference is, I think for Ontario and Quebec, both the the laws for for landlords aren't extremely friendly. Oh, so yeah. you have to be creative in in both provinces. Um, I don't see a major difference in between in between them and how we're dealing with tenants. Regardless, you'd have to be uh, safer with the tenants, and they have more power. So it's it's yeah. really the same same strategy. Uh, there's a few differences, obviously, in some buildings you don't. And typically in Quebec, you don't need deposits, so there's less of a barrier. So you can grab a property under contract and then do a raise after. But if you're looking for a larger building in, in Ontario, you may need to have $30,000 just to put as a deposit. So that could be something you need so, to do. So are deposits not allowed in Quebec or are they just not required? They're not required. Uh, typically with larger buildings, they will they may ask. Um, yeah. For like the, the 200 plus it's in Quebec, they're asking for a deposit, which is yeah. reasonable. But if yeah. you go lock up a 15 unit, odds are they're not going to request for a deposit. It's just not, um, it's not common. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But then the reason why we're going to New Brunswick with the 56 unit portfolio is is for two reasons. One is is simply because we want to be able to um, build a system that can purchase real estate across the, the country. Mm-hmm. Um, which that means you know I can be somewhere else and the property will run itself. It's 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 forcing us to build systems. Um, and the other reason is because they have friendly landlord tenant laws where you can um, increase the rents to market rent 
uh, without having to wait a year or anything along those lines. So and you can probably you can probably get rid of problem tenants a lot easier than elsewhere. Oh, a hundred percent. So the way I kind of see it, it's it's just a sport, and you have rules and play by the rules, but you could be creative. And uh, so I have partners from from Montreal, and they've been investing for for five plus years. Uh, the benefit for investing in these these hard provinces is that you force yourself to become creative right? To get these tenants out or to increase their rents or to increase your NOI to get better lending on these commercial buildings. So there's still merit in, it's, it's a little bit more of a competitive game, right? It's a little yeah. bit more intense in these provinces. Oh, very, very cool. So Jedi, what do you, what do you think is the main reason people are so freaked out about investing in Quebec, people outside of Quebec, besides just the language thing, or is that the biggest thing? I think it's, the language is a big thing. I don't speak French, which my, my last name is French. I don't speak French. Well, neither do I, buddy. My last name is French. Yeah. I don't speak it either. So, which is okay. It forces me to be creative, um, you know, uh, it, building a team where people speak French. Um, the other thing is a lot of people uh, are afraid of the, the landlord-tenant laws. I think they have a really, they think they're drastically different. They're, for example, there's a law where um, if, a, if a tenant leaves, um, a unit you have to put on the new lease the last rent that was in the building, right? So really? a lot of people, wow. yes. So okay. a lot of people think you have to rent it. You can't increase the rent. You can increase the rent. You put it on the back of the lease. They have ten days to contest. If they don't contest, there's no ground for it. And from all the investors I talked to in Quebec, none of them have been contested as of yet. So it's, okay, it's I don't I don't quite understand that. So yeah, you have your your. You get a new tenant in the place. Mm -hmm. The contract says the rental amount is the same as before, or you're putting in the new rental amount in the contract, then it's up to them to contest it. So when you have a new tenant come in, you just yeah. have to state what the, the last tenant was paying in that unit. You have to, you have to tell them what the last rent yeah. was. You, have you to, don't have to charge them. the last rent. You just have no. to let them know how much has gone up basically. Yeah. They're allowed to contest it. For example, if, if I charged, you know, a thousand dollars for this two bedroom and then they leave and I want to charge 1200, the person sees that on the back of the, the lease form, they can contest that. Uh, it's, it's not common at all. And if they do, they're not necessarily hundred percent going to win that, that battle. It's have they moved in by that time already? No, they can, they have 10 days from signing. So maybe they moved in. It, it depends. I've never had the I never dealt with it. And most of okay. the investors I've I've known has never dealt with it. But that's an idea a lot of people think, well, I can't increase the rents. So that whole strategy is gone. The way I rationalized it, well, I see a lot of big buildings here in, in Quebec. So someone's making money off of them. Yeah. There has to be a strategy and a way to do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, I can see that scaring a lot of people away. But yeah, yeah, usually there's there's some sort of a tricky way around those kind of things. So thanks very much for sharing some of your insights there, Jediah. So as a young guy getting going with this, uh, you, obviously you're raising capital to do yeah. these kind of deals. What have you found that's worked best for you so far? And what are you planning to do moving ahead when it comes to that? Okay. So uh, what's worked best so far is, is really just is being authentic. Um, you don't need to be a, a salesman. Um, you know, real estate deals, if you know how to do them and if you do them right and you are able to present them correctly, they kind of speak for themselves. After that, it's just people want to invest in you. I've had people mm -hmm. say, I don't care what the deal looks like. I know you you know how to work deals. I, here, I just want to invest with you. I'm investing mm -hmm. in, in Jediah. I'm not investing in this 
10 unit or this five unit. But initially so, they were definitely crunching the numbers big time. 100%. Because you had no track record. So what I'm hearing is to get started, you got to really focus on what the fundamentals are of the deal and be able to present that in the best possible light. But then moving ahead, that's still important, but a lot more of it is based on the relationship that you have with folks. Is Am I hearing that properly? Yes. It's, it's mostly based on the relationship. And in my honest experience, I would say leverage other people. So if you know anybody who's raised capital before, just say, hey, I will give you equity to help me raise capital. And oh, you're, you smart. leverage other people's experience. So that's my whole uh, strategy moving forward. It's my whole strategy from the beginning. It's it's uh, one, providing service to other people, which is, hey, I have this amazing deal. I don't have the experience yet to to uh, close on this fully by myself. I would love for you to jump on as partners. I'll learn from you. You have access to this amazing deal. Um, so providing service and leveraging to grow, right? People will leverage my deal. I'll leverage their, even just their experience or, or their um, connections, uh, their connections, their company, whatever it is, or their you know, if they have a team. So for the New Brunswick deal, we're partnering with these two gentlemen who have already bought property over in New Brunswick and we're giving them equity and it's just a team sport to me. So mm -hmm. in my head, someone who, you know, um, took a semester off of university, I haven't been back yet, uh, <laughs> to pursue real estate full time. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I was a university student. I didn't have $100,000 to put a down payment on anything the only way to rationalize how to get into this game and get into it um, on a larger level was to kind of play chess and, and leverage other people's experience, but at the same time, adding some value. So I had to bring something to the table. Um, yeah. And that's my plan on, on scaling my business um, and getting these larger properties, just leveraging other people and helping them along the way while helping myself. So Jediah, when you are doing these kind of deals, like the ones that you're going to be doing in, in New Brunswick, how do you divvy up the pie between you and the other active people in the deal, the active investors and your investor partners? Are, are you able to share kind of like what that looks like? Yeah. So I'm, since I'm, I would say newer um, and looking to, to scale on these, these larger uh, assets, I'm not looking to take a large portion of, of the pie, but really is the benefit of doing deals like this is um, for sure experience, right? Yeah. It's just experience. So I'm pretty generous with providing equity. Um, the way we kind of decide it's who's going to be actually the asset manager and I'm going to be part of that. And if you want to be part of that as well, I typically split it evenly between us. Um, and then for example, for raising capital with our 56 unit portfolio, they're actually two separate deals just by the same owner. Mm -hmm. We're giving 10% equity per deal to whoever can raise the full amount. So for example, if you have um, the total raise and you know someone who can provide it to us, then you'll get 10% equity, completely passive. All you have to do is make a couple phone calls, mm -hmm. right? That gets a deal done for us. That gets someone equity and then capital partners get to make a, a, a good return on their money through the deal. Um, so typically we do about 10% for, for raising. It's what we're, we're doing right now. And, um, it sparked a, a decent amount of interest because if someone knows people, all you have to do is make a couple phone calls and you have access to a larger portfolio. Well, that's, that makes a lot of sense. And when it comes to the, the equity split between the active investors and the passive investors and these kind of deals, what kind of split are you guys typically doing? So that 
all depends on the type of asset, I would say. So for example, with the, um, it's an 18 unit and a 38 unit with both of these deals, since they're very, or they're fairly quick turnarounds, they're uh, one to two year turnarounds with all capital out. Um, we are doing a 60, 40 for active partners because it's, it's time intensive. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of turnover and renovations that need to be done. Um, and the capital is not going to be locked up for a, a long period of time. Um, but when I'm looking at, for example, you know, we've underwritten a lot of deals, so new builds, and we've had one under contract, um, here in, in Gatineau before, uh, typically it's, it's 30% for the active partner, 70 for the, the passive, mm -hmm. just because there's less work to be done. It's a brand yeah. new building. It's going to run itself. Um, so it really depends on the strategy. Um, if it's a mix of both where it's more of a buy and hold capitals in a little longer, not time intensive. Sometimes we just split it down the middle 50, 50. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and especially if, if your investor partners are going to get, you know, if everything works out according to plan, they're going to get cashed out in two years and still hold equity yep. in that property, still own that 40% of it. That's a smoking deal for them. Um, exactly. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you see foresee as being some of the challenges moving ahead, Jedi? Challenges? Um, I suppose it is that uh, that networking, that branding is something because I am younger and I've only been in the game. I've only learned financial literacy, you know, recently, right? Four years ago, I was 19. Imagine what 19 years were doing. I was doing the same thing, right? So I haven't had enough time or, or it's not that I haven't had enough time. I haven't um, emphasized the branding and the networking aspect of, of it as of right now. So I've been finding that can be challenging, but it's it's just something I have to work on. Same thing before I didn't know how to look at a deal and analyze a deal. That took me some time to really get comfortable with it. So mm -hmm. the thing I'm 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 in the uncomfortable stages of right now is that networking, is that raising capital side. Um and then it's really just pushing myself. A lot of people have asked me and 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 told me like how do you how do you look at big deals, right? Like you, you don't have you haven't closed on a, a a 10 unit yet. Why are you looking at a 200 plus unit? I was like, well, the number, I know, under, I understand the numbers. Why not swing? And in business, if you, if you swing enough times, you're going to hit something. Yeah. And I just want to hit something big. And Well, here's the nice thing. You're not just focusing on that. You're also focusing on whatever makes sense that comes across your desk, right? So exactly. you're, you're not locked into just that. No, I think you're on the right track for sure, Jediya. And I think you're well positioned actually, because- you're a very well-spoken, uh, knowledgeable you. person. Sure, you're you're a young guy, but you know that really doesn't make any difference. There are so many older people who have just basically repeated the same year of their life for for forty or fifty years. Uh, so it's not that they necessarily know anything more than you do. Exactly, you're taking massive action, and you're learning, and you're you're making things happen. You're figuring out how to how to do stuff. So I think. Uh, I think if we have an interview in a couple of years, I think you're, you're going to be doing very, very well, my friend. Oh, I hope so. I'm excited to look back and see where, you know, how far I've come. Cause even, even now looking back, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal. Um, yeah. So I would tell anybody just go, go kind of go for it and it's going to be stressful and, and it's going to be hard and you're going to get annoyed, but if you keep going, you know, you'll end up, Hey, guess what? That's life in general. Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you'll end up owning property and, and can pay dividends. So it's it, any, anybody can really do it. Right. And that's another point of why I'm doing it. It's to show my friends and family. It's like, okay, I'll, 
I'll, I'll take the burden on my back. I'll do it. I'll go through these struggles and I'll, I'll prove that it can be done. Yeah, there we go. And yeah. now you guys can do it. Right. And, nice. and anybody else. That's It'll be an inspiration. It'll be an, yeah. a great role model for people. Jedi, if folks want to connect with you and find out more about you, where should they go? Uh, for real estate related stuff, it's really just through Facebook. So it's just my, my name, Jedi Bertrand, uh, as simple as that. And I tend to respond fairly fast. So you can shoot me a message. Very good. All right. Well, thanks very much. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me and I'm excited to be on again in a couple of years and we could chat then. That sounds wonderful. All right, everybody, take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode.